cool. Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast. I'm here with Cass and uh, we have an overdue Q&A that we're going to deal with. <laughs> it's very overdue. It's like a month overdue. <laughs> In our defense, we recorded it. Yeah, we recorded and then, it and then uh, the computer had problems and it got all staticky and then we posted yeah. it. You guys might have saw it for maybe a second and then we deleted it. So, <laughs> so here we're just redoing it. So we'll start with the first question. Cool. So first question is, would you all do a one-on-one -on -one class at your facility for parents, pet parents? I mean, that's I think that's all, all we, we do. do. Yeah, we <laughs> that do is lots of we those. Do. Uh, yeah, we do one-on-one um, -on -one sessions. We don't do any group classes. Um, we were planning on doing it. COVID kind of put a hitch in those plans, but we do have lots of stuff in the works. But the main thing we do besides board and train is one-on-one -on -one sessions. Exactly. We do tons of one-on-one -on -one sessions. We do like, we're very booked with them. I'd say close to 100 sessions a month. So we're very booked with those. Mm -hmm. uh, board and trains we're also booked with. So yeah, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd say that is what we do. Next year, we'll do more group stuff, but it's mm -hmm. COVID depending. Yep. Um, question number two, pros and cons with mouse. Oh. This is a pretty funny question. We yeah. both have Malinois, so this is a good question for us, I guess. Um, yeah, pros. Let's start with the pros. Um, They're pros. super intelligent. They're incredibly loving, and they can be very, very social. Yeah. Um, They're just pros. a good dog trainer dog because they can, mm -hmm. let's say you're doing sessions with clients. Like, they mm -hmm. can come out for all the sessions, and they won't be mopey. Yeah. They won't be tired. They can, like, crank out a whole day of training. And if you need to train anything into them, they can learn most of it. Obviously, yeah. if it's a good Mal. Mm -hmm. um, the cons is everything else. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. living with them is not fun. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know it seems like they're fun based on the videos we post, but mm -hmm. they're exhausting. You can't skip a day of anything. Like, even um, Apollo overall, because he's been trained to be pretty relaxed, he's, he is a pretty chill guy and he listens to everything. But if you don't exercise him, he'll stay up all day just panting overnight like he they they need excessive amounts of exercise they need a lot of mental stimulation um and they need quite a bit of structure too like you can't it's not a dog that you can just have no rules or it'll eat your couch exactly yeah mm -hmm. there are people who always contact us like oh my mal is biting and it looks like 10 yeah. weeks old like that's just what they do <laughs> like okay that's what mine it's a dog that's bred to bite <laughs> yeah my dog's <laughs> yeah mine's two years old and when i stop petting him he starts chewing exactly on my hand, so. <laughs> like their first thought is always just oh i'm gonna put my teeth on that yeah that's what they're yeah. bred for yeah. for doing so they will bite yep uh next question separation anxiety and covid so this doesn't really have a question but i think i know what they're getting at like how does how is COVID kind of affecting separation anxiety in dogs that already have separation anxiety or how could it affect dogs that don't have separation anxiety? Yeah, so I'd say the biggest problem we're seeing with all the clients we're seeing is that they're all home all the time. Yeah. Which is creating a dog that's heavily dependent and it's also mm -hmm. creating a dog that doesn't know what it's like to be in a house that's empty. Mm -hmm. So it's that's bad. Like it's really, really bad. Imagine if you could never sit alone on a couch for 10 minutes mm -hmm. and you need to be beside someone all the time. It's just a really unhealthy way to live. So separation anxiety and COVID is a real problem. If you guys do have a dog and you are working from home, you should take some time and just leave the house. Mm -hmm. And you should create your dog. Make sure your dog has at least a little bit of independence because there's going to be a time where you have to go back to work. And when you do, if your dog's mm -hmm. not used to being alone, your dog's going to flip, completely yeah. flip. Yeah. So practice some kind of daily... Um, what's the word isolation for the dog the dog should have yeah. some kind of time by itself every single day even if it's like even if you just go for a 10 minute walk by yourself the dog exactly. needs to experience some kind of being alone every single day um and it's kind of it 
makes me think of like our schedules like we're here all the time and we can bring our dogs here we have the option to do that but we always try to schedule in some time where we're leaving our dogs alone exactly uh, like we do a lot of away sessions and we leave our dogs here yeah. um, we have the option to bring them with us but we often leave them here instead um, or we leave our dogs at home some days even though we bring them here exactly right? if we spent like based on how our lifestyles are we could spend 24 hours a day with our dog mm-hmm. but we would not do that to our dogs because it's really unhealthy so we actually yeah. consciously leave our dogs alone and put them away Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say that's the only advice we can give. If you are home and working at home alone, or sorry, if you're working from home, just put your dog in a crate in a different room or on a different floor. Mm-hmm. That's the least you could do. Mm-hmm. And try to just step out of the house while the dog is in a crate. Yeah, if you're working nine to five, try to replicate your normal um, schedule when you're away from the house. So have the dog in the crate from the hours that you would be gone if you were actually leaving the house. Exactly. Cool. So what's the difference on training pet and working dogs? And which, which kind of techniques do you use on your own dogs? Uh, Do you want to start first? Because you have different dogs. Cool. Yeah. So I have, uh, I guess, because you have two working dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The difference on training pet and working dogs. So I guess probably the structure is one of the biggest differences. And then the level of motivation and engagement you need out of each. Right. So with with Ashton, I can be pretty slow and kind of see kind of take my time on rewarding and stuff like that with Apollo I really have to stay really mentally engaged and fully involved when I'm working on anything with him just because I want a high high level of engagement from him um with Ashton I want a little bit more calmness because he's already so psycho and explosive but he is really just a pet exactly Um, there's no like work he's gonna be doing in the near future so he's just gonna be a pet exactly um and Wolfie, I don't really train Wolfie. <laughs> yeah, Wolfie she's just, just trained. She was born trained. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess engagement is the biggest thing. So, like, Apollo really spends kind of no time outside of the crate where he's not being engaged with. Um, one of the big things I make a difference with, with Apollo and Ashton specifically, is I let Ashton have a lot of time playing with other dogs, where with Apollo, I try to minimize his exposure to dogs. So, I like him being social i like him having dog friends which he has but i don't want him getting too fixated on dogs especially if i'm an option for him to be playing with so yeah. i i don't bring him on hikes anymore um because he's got some good friends that he's starting to kind of choose over me and the thing with the hike is that i can't spend all of my attention i can't put all of my attention into apollo so therefore he's gonna find other ways to occupy himself um, I want him to think every time he comes out it's gonna be full play time or training time with just me and him um yeah that's about it on that yeah i'd I'd say for if you have a pet working dog rules are basically opposite of a pet exactly exactly because for a pet you want a dog to be calm chill you want to be able to live with the dog happily Mm -hmm. uh just for many hours in a day for a working Mm -hmm. dog you want frustration like very high levels of frustration Mm -hmm. you want a lot of drive you want a lot of focus and you don't want the dog really doing other things Mm -hmm. because they they come out to work and that's it they work and they they go away then they work and they go away yeah um i am raising my dogs to be working dogs but like i like hanging out with them but it it comes with its problems like when i have both of them out uh let's say like yesterday is a great example i had i was just making some dinner and i had scooter and a down in the kitchen and broly was just running around the house with his bent bone and i wanted him to down and he stayed in a down and they they were looking at me and then broly decided you know what this is really not fun i've been in a down for 6 seconds and i don't like it <laughs> <Six seconds. laughs> and then he took his bent bone started running around the house and he looked at 
Scooter from across the living room. Mm-hmm. He was just staring at him, wagging his tail, and that always, obviously was enticing Scooter to get up and play with him. <laughs> but I don't want to correct Scooter for wanting to play because it's just like I just don't want to correct the fun and excitement and frustration out of them. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's it's a lot of like sometimes I have one out at a time. It's a lot of management. Um, and if you want that pet lifestyle and you correct the dog a lot, sometimes you're losing some of the working dog motivation. So you have to just mm-hmm. do everything pretty carefully. That's the hard part. Exactly. So with a lot of your communication with a dog, you're either activating the dog or passivating the dog. Yeah. Right? And when it comes to pet dog training, 99% of pet dog training is a lot of passivation. I don't know if exactly. that's a word. I think I just made that <laughs> up. But, but you're really kind of trying to make the dog a lot more chill and kind of relaxed. Whereas with a working dog, you're always trying to activate them. You're trying exactly. to make them do things as explosively as possible, like a down. The way you teach it down to a pet dog versus a sport dog is going to fundamentally be different because you want you want your sport dog smashing their elbows into the ground, whereas yep. you want your pet dog to lie down and have the expectation that they'll be lying down for a and while. So, so you want them to think, okay, elbows hit the ground, it's time for a nap. Whereas with a sport dog, you want them smashing the elbows into the ground because they think a ball is coming. Exactly. Next, right? Yeah. Cool. Anything else to add on that? Uh, I would just say like anyone out there who has working dogs, like you guys probably already know what you're doing, but yeah, exactly. yeah, there's just all sorts of little things you need to be careful with. Yeah. yeah. Like, like even another example is Broly had the ball, same thing yesterday, he had mm-hmm. a ball in his mouth and he was crawling like a caterpillar towards Scooter in the mm-hmm. kitchen. And I'm like, I need to, I want to correct him cause he's being really annoying and I'm just trying to cook, mm-hmm. but he had a ball in his mouth. And what if I corrected him and I taught him don't play with the ball? Mm-hmm. Like you have to be careful with all these things. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just, it's a lot of experimenting. Mm hmm. And it depends on the dog. Yeah, Everything it does. Is and my, my two dogs are very soft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they're very soft. It doesn't look like it in videos, but they're very, very soft. Yeah. And that's the funny thing is because you have working dogs and you want to teach them how to push through yeah. a lot of stuff. It's very tricky when you have a soft dog. Exactly. Because if you apply a little bit too much pressure on something, instead of teaching them to shove through that pressure, you might actually just... Sh- not shut them down. That's the wrong word. But just uh, ruin their motivation. Exactly. The ruin their motivation, right? Yeah. Whereas I have... <laughs> a pet dog who will push through any kind of pressure to get what he wants. Exactly. So with him, I need to be a little more on top of stuff because if I put equal pressure on Ashton as I do on, as you would on Broly and Scooter, Ashton would learn to be frustrated more. Yeah. Right? And it stops Broly in his tracks. Exactly. A slip correction on that boy, that's the end of him. <laughs> Whereas Ashton could be literally choking himself out on a on a slip and that might actually make him very happy. Exactly. <laughs> he, he'd be like, oh, I hate oxygen anyway. Let me just... <laughs> choke myself and die cool next question um how did you get into this and did you ever see yourself do you ever see yourself changing careers you know it's funny because we've already went through these questions already <laughs> <I know. laughs> because of our last oh, yeah. podcast okay. that died but yeah. um yeah do you want to go first sure so um the whole reason i got a job working with dogs is because i have this really sick thing in my brain where whatever i have a fear of i have to like fully immerse my entire life in so i used to be really like grossed out by germs and stuff and that's why i became a medic (laughs) so i was like yeah let's just deal with blood and poop and vomit and all that kind of stuff and um some of y'all might not know this but i'm terrified of dogs (laughs) like i'm petrified of dogs so um i just kind of wanted to challenge myself and see if i could get over the fear of dogs because i do really love dogs i just was very afraid of interacting with them um so i started working at a pet smart pet hotel can i say that yeah. I guess I can say that. Whatever. I mean, I, that's what I did. Mean, they're welcome. Hello. Hi, PetSmart. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, started working at a pets hotel just to get more exposure to different types of dogs. 
Um, and then I realized that I really like dealing with like different behavioral issues, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I became a PetSmart trainer. And at that point, I just realized that the, the learning in that environment was a little too slow and very, very limited on what I could learn right? Hands-on wise, because their training skill set and their training, just everything is very limited about it. And they only use certain techniques, um, that don't really yield very good results for actual behavioral issues. It's a good place to learn how to teach puppies new things. So I got an okay foundation there. Um, and then I reached out to a couple of different training facilities around the city. Um, Anesh was the only one that answered back to me, (laughs) (laughs) but it was definitely for the best because this is the best place I could have ended up. And Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> it's a lie. I'm just saying it because we're on the podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. So um, do I see myself changing careers? I mean, potentially. Uh, I really am into medicine, so I could definitely see myself getting back into school and, and being a doctor. But I think I could always, I think I would always be here in some capacity. Like, I think we would, we're probably going to do podcasts for a very long time. We'll probably, even if we're, it's not you and I working hands-on on dogs, I could see us making content for a very long time oh yeah yeah Yeah, because i think we'd make some pretty fun engaging content Mm -hmm. so yeah we're pretty funny so you know that's what i think i hope they find us funny Uh, all that matters is i find myself funny (laughs) (laughs) uh do i see myself changing careers you know i've never really like talked about this with people but if i was if i were financially struggling i think i would because you don't pick dog training to really make a lot of money Mm -hmm. so like I mean, if I really wanted to make a lot of money and if I didn't really want to like what I did, I'd probably get into some kind of sales career. But no, I do like this and I'm not financially struggling, so I'll probably be doing this for a very long time. How did you get into it? Uh, what? Let's see. When I was 16, before I got my dog, what was that in 2009? I was probably 16. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, so whatever age I was in 2009, I started working at the Humane Society because I got super anxious before getting my beagle. So when I started working there, I was just like a naive kid and they pushed me into all the the nervous reactive dogs because they, I think they just thought that I was just someone who thought they could handle more than they could. And they were right. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just a kid and I was, I was like, I don't really know too many dogs. I grew up in Scarborough. Anyone who doesn't know Scarborough, Scarborough has the worst dogs on earth. I'm telling you. Oh my God. I'm telling you, you can be trying to just go for a little walk to the convenience store or grocery store and a Rottweiler will jump a fence and take you down. That's That's a fact. That's 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 a fact. That's what happens in Scarborough. So I was always scared of dogs. I got chased by probably like five or six of them growing up and they're all big. And, you know, like, they could never catch me. I could jump fences so quickly. <laughs> Let me tell you. Did I ever tell you this? There was one day I walked up to the convenience store because I wanted a bag of beef jerky. Okay. I was in high school. I didn't even think I was in high school. I went, I got a bag of beef jerky. I literally walked maybe 45 seconds up my own street. On the way back, I got chased home by a pit bull. <laughs> and I ended up throwing my bag of jerky at it to oh, get it away wow. from me. Yeah. Oh, so you could have died if you didn't have jerky. I know. I was like, I assessed it from the door. I was like, can I make it and get in the door before the dog attacks me? Because then I can save the jerky. But if I if it's going to attack me, I have to, had to sacrifice the jerky. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the Humane Society, I mean, I don't know if there are any of you guys that have done training at the Humane Society, but I was one of their trainers back then. And it was just crap. Like everything I was doing was not good. Uh, the training methods were bad. The progress was slow. And that's really important. If you're doing a training session, you should see instant progress. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't see instant progress, something is really off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense to not mm-hmm. see instant progress. So yeah, I just, I didn't like that. And then, then I moved on to work with Canine Expeditions. I had a partner at the time and we 
and then I took over the company because uh, it's a long story, but <laughs> it's a bit of a long story, but finances were an issue for the original owner. So I wasn't getting paid and I was like, well, this company's worth nothing anyway. So <laughs> let me just build it, build it on my own. And I got ripped off buying the company, but I got stuck with it. And I thought, oh boy, now I'm stuck working with dogs. So I just figured it out and it's, it's been great. It's been awesome. So I don't see myself doing anything else for a while. Mm-hmm. I want to bring something up because you brought up that, um, the, if you don't see instant progress, something's wrong. Yeah. That's very true. People don't, don't see that really right with dog training. Like they're people have like really skewed views on how fast or how slow a dog can really be trained. Exactly. Like we, we get things done so fast compared to most places. Like the, there was a phone call you were on earlier today and I overheard the, the, the woman who you were speaking to say, is the dog going to be potty trained in those four sessions? The woman signed up for four sessions. Yeah. like the And I was just in disbelief. I was like, whoa, like <laughs> people really pay... think things move so slowly. Like, yeah. no, like the information we have, you should be able to potty train your dog from like, from the first from five minutes moment. of us yeah. talking, even the phone call, like, we probably fixed yeah. her potty training problems. So yeah, yeah that is a, crazy. it's crazy. Like I got another email that I'm just reading over and they said they have a 12 week old puppy and they've been working with a trainer for four weeks and the dog, they, they see, they've, they say they've seen no difference. And like, That's if crazy. you've seen someone four times, you should at least at a bare minimum in four sessions. The dog shouldn't be biting. The dog shouldn't be biting. You should fix basic puppy behavioral problems. Yeah. And also you should know how to food lure, properly reward, mm-hmm. properly mark some behaviors. And just by mm-hmm. knowing how to food lure, mark and reward, you should be able to teach your dog certain, certain behaviors. Yeah. So that alone is progress. And if there is no progress, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never it's really understood crazy. that either. It's very, very crazy. Um, where are we? Next question. Uh, what percent of clients will experience regression after training and how do you prevent it? Yeah, that's 100%. 100% of clients will see some kind of regression. Yeah, and the thing is, whether you're doing a board and train or sessions, the second you leave the facility, your dog will be worse. It's the second yeah. you leave because you are not a dog trainer and the way you handle your dog is not going to be to the standard that we are, but mm-hmm. that's okay because if that was... if if that was the case, like, what's the point of doing dog training? Might as well let only dog trainers own dogs, <laughs> right? Yeah, true. It's, we're just, our real job is, yes, we're going to train the dog, but we're also going to show you uh, a proper schedule and how to do things properly. And we're going to adjust your handling, which is the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not here to make dog trainers. Like, a human being is not going to be a dog trainer, but we can make you a good enough handler to the point where the dog is easy. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, we're just making good handlers. That's it. Mm-hmm. No one needs to be a dog trainer. If you just become a decent handler, when you leave, you're going to have minimal regression. Yeah. Right, that's about it. Exactly. And that's why we focus so so heavily on training the handler exactly. and not the dog. And well, obviously training the dog, but more focusing on the handler. Um, and that's why we spend so much time after a board and train um, doing sessions too. Exactly. So what we do is we usually do two sessions and then we do a follow-up yeah and like they or sometimes have unlimited follow-ups too yeah but they don't need it and i check up on pretty much everybody and people are usually fine Mm -hmm. right exactly but things happen but the best way to look at this question is if i loaned scooter to someone yeah scooter is scooter can be a good pet when you put the tools on them and do things yeah but if i loaned scooter to someone they would go this is a trainer's dog this dog's Mm -hmm. a freaking nightmare even wolfie yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so and these are dogs that are owned by trainers we put a lot of work into our dogs Mm -hmm. and if we gave it to you it's it's basically like let's imagine that dog did a board and train Mm -hmm. we give you the dog if we don't show you what to do the dog is going to be a nightmare 
doesn't mm-hmm. matter how long the dog has lived with a trainer or been just perfected by a trainer. It's with a different person. Mm-hmm. So it's the transfer of knowledge that's the most important. And the relationship is always different too, right? Exactly. So look at, um, I think a good example is Lucy. Yeah. Right? Like Lucy was a, f- a train wreck <laughs> of a yeah, dog. she's a train wreck. Um, super like insane on every front. But she hasn't done like nearly any of the craziness that you've kind of described to me before. And it's just due to the nature of like her living situation. Like she's under high levels of structure. We're never putting her in situations where she feels like threatened. Um, So it's been pretty easy for her to get comfortable Mm -hmm. here in a way that she's like playing and training and taking affection and, but not being ultra pushy and stuff like that too. Right. And she's not, like reacting on walks but i also i haven't even corrected her on a walk for reacting at anything but it's just because she's like she just knows everything's not really a threat and the handling is very different um so the same thing kind of happens with um like board and trained dogs they always have that association with their owners putting them in kind of crappy situations too um so like they come here and they and just all of our communication, every single second of communication we have with the dog is very, very clear because we've studied this and we know what we're doing. Whereas the dog kind of thinks, hmm, you've you put me in kind of stupid situations before when exactly. they go back home. So you do have to do a lot of relationship rebuilding. Yeah. Right. And Whereas that's the most to. important part. It's, it's the during the actual training session here. Since we're beside you and we're showing you everything you're doing wrong and everything you're doing right, mm-hmm. uh, it might all look easy. But when you go home, remember, it's not a one-hour training session anymore. It's 24 hours living with a dog. Mm-hmm. If you're not good on the other you know, 16 hours you're awake with the dog, then the dog will push back. So you need exactly. to just be tight on everything. Exactly. And that's, what pe- that, that's where people struggle. Cool. Ready for the next one? Yeah. Um, how much harder is it owning Malinois than a working line GSD? Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> our working line GSD is harder than our mouse. I think the mouse, I think the working line GSDs have a better off switch, to be honest. Yeah. In my yeah, opinion. For sure. um, I think they're a little bit more, I personally think a working line GSD is a tiny bit more dangerous, but if you have a really, really, really high drive mal, they can be pretty pissy too. Right. I, like, I, I'm not yeah. one to talk because my two dogs are relatively soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very, very sweet, very obedient. So, but they are crazy. Like they're always barking, mm-hmm. flying all over the place, running around. But they're not mean. I think the difference with the working line GSDs, I think by nature they're a tiny bit meaner, right? So yeah. I think that's the only problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Mal's, if you're not like super fast on everything you do, they can space out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, German Shepherds generally are a little bit more forgiving of dogs in yeah. terms of like, like positive training. You know yeah, what I mean? I'd say so. I'd say they're tougher too. A working line GSD, tougher. Yeah, in they terms can of handle like a more. Correction. Yeah, they can yeah. handle a lot more than a mal. Yeah, and there, I think the only other difference would be they are a good working line GSD might have a bit of a territorial temperament higher than a mal. Yeah, I'd say that's the only other difference, but yeah, not much of a difference. They're both hard. They're oh both yeah, hard. I think a mal is just on more than a GSD. They just have a lot more drive and stamina going day to day. So that's the other. That's the only problem. Yeah, German Shepherds seem like they'll actually stop. Mouths seem like they'll actually kill themselves. Yeah. <laughs> they'll keep like, going. I don't know. You probably have this with probably bro- mostly Broly, but the same problem I have with Apollo where, like, he you play fetch with him and he explodes towards the ball. And then you can tell when he's tired because his legs are, like, collapsing on the way, <laughs> on the way <laughs> running back. Exactly. But every time he sends out, no matter how tired he is, it looks the exact same. Yeah. It's always the coming back where you can assess how tired They're the dying. dog is. <laughs> yeah. But a German Shepherd will be like, no, nah, screw you. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm actually like, tired. I I'm going to go stop. sit under this tree. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Anything else with that? No, that's about it. Um, someone wrote, 
Will this dog ever chill? Who yeah, is that? That was Jade. That was Jade. <laughs> <laughs> um, we tried. We tried. <laughs> yeah, we remember. Uh, so this is from a client whose dog basically backflipped off a tree. <laughs> yeah. The dog will chill, but we we did have a talk, and it's basically basically due to lack of management towards prey. So mm-hmm. your dog will chill. Don't worry. You just need to manage the prey. <laughs> yeah, and it's a pretty like easy to maintain dog. Yeah. After yeah. everything, yeah, if you just... don't encourage her to do. St- stupidity then she won't really really do it yeah she just needs to realize this is off the table yeah you know and then when she realizes it's off the table she'll chill yeah backflips dog does backflips out of trees it's yeah, crazy. trying to get get squirrels it's hilarious oh my god all right next question oscar is a picky eater her food isn't ideal but she goes on a hun- hunger strike with everything else okay dog's overfed That's the all yes is. Yeah. dog is overfed uh if you put down food and the dog does not eat it immediately dog is overfed I've, throughout my career, met very few dogs I would actually consider picky. Very, very few. Like, I'd say Wolfie's one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cass's dog is definitely on the picky side. Um, but the, at the end of the day, if you don't feed the dog for a couple days, like, you can put down the food, and if they don't eat it, take it away, and then put it down again for dinner and take it away. You're still offering the dog food. You're not being cruel, but you're just removing the availability of it, mm-hmm. right? And once you remove the availability, the dog is going to go, oh, my goodness, I better eat that food while it's down. And there will be a meal where the dog just starts eating and the food motivation will return. Mm-hmm. And like, I know not feeding your dog for a few days sounds pretty, pretty harsh to a lot of people, but you're definitely, if that sounds harsh, thinking about it from a human perspective. Um, Cause if you think about like, think about pet snakes, people feed them like once a week or a month. Exactly. I don't, I don't freaking know. One, whatever it is, durable or something. Yeah. And like lions, they, yeah. they eat pretty infrequently. And I know these are different animals than dogs, but dogs are also different than humans. So yep. Dogs can go quite a while without eating. Um, and like Wolfie is a perfect example. Like you said, Wolfie, I feed her once a day now because I want to have quite a bit of food motivation with her. Um, but once a day is way more frequent than she ate when she was a street dog. Exactly. When she was on the street, she probably, I don't know, she ate a bowl of rice every other day or something. <laughs> She'd probably eat and then disappear and go sleep and then wake up. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I had to, I think I starved her for like three days when I transitioned her to raw. Oh, she, wow. Yeah, she didn't eat for a little while. Wow. Yeah, my raw food guy was like, no, no, this dog's fat. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have dogs but, come here that they refuse to eat for days. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you guys would be surprised yeah. how there's, long. There's a huge perception around, like, like or misperception, I guess, of, like, what a dog should physically be shaped with, shaped like. Um, the majority of dogs you see out there are fat. Yeah. They're overweight. Um, Very fat. Like, if you look at Ashton, he's he's the way a beagle really should look. Yeah. But no one ever sees a beagle looking like that because every single one of them is, is overweight. Right. So like look at an athlete like you don't really see someone who's like an Olympic sprinter or just even a regular human who's like a little overweight. You wouldn't say they're in like perfect normal shape. Right? Yeah, exactly. And a dog is much more athletic and and, and they're all to in garbage shape. And it doesn't yeah. make any sense. <laughs> it's so weird. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. It's just remember if the dog was out on the street, unless they're being they overfed on the street, they, they would be in very good shape. Mm-hmm. Right, and they would they would definitely eat anything. They would have high motivation, and I use this example all the time. If if your dog has low food motivation, you're also destroying their overall motivation. If they are nervous, if mm-hmm. a dog is nervous and has zero food motivation, I would consider that you have the toughest situation out there as a pet, right? Because what if your dog is scared of construction noises and won't take food outside and stuff like that? You just by losing the food motivation, you've lost a huge step in training and you're mm-hmm. pretty much screwed outside. So mm-hmm. if your dog was nervous and lived on the street and your dog saw a squirrel and if your dog said, 
hey, the only way I'm going to survive today is if I eat the squirrel. And if that squirrel is running into a loud construction site, your dog would chase that squirrel into the construction site Mm -hmm. despite being scared of the construction because it's so food motivated. Mm -hmm. So remember, when you are creating a dog that is not food motivated, you're ruining their internal actual motivation to do other things too. Mm -hmm. And think about it like this too, like your dog will probably eat a dead rat or something outside easily because the challenge of it is there too yeah um whereas they won't eat a food that is like crafted and designed to taste good for a dog exactly like in a laboratory but they'll eat a dead animal that might have rabies Uh, exactly so just make sure skip the meal try skipping a couple and your dog's motivation will come back perfect um next question been working on recall with a long line but once it comes off the dog won't recall Oof. Yeah, those are hard ones. Yeah. Uh, you want to be really careful because your dog is smart. That's number one. And you want to start doing e-collar training. But before you do all of that, it sounds like your dog probably doesn't have that much focus anyways. It's mm-hmm. probably learned over time that everything else outside is more fun than you. Mm-hmm. So you need to rebuild that from scratch. Start low distance on a long line. Uh, then introduce an e-collar and then really develop motivation. But we don't know too much about the dog. So there's probably a lot of steps. Yeah. Um, Biggest tip I can give you is make sure that when you try to test the dog off leash fully, make sure you're on a fenced area Mm -hmm. so that your dog can't actually take off. That'll give you a good um, test of what the dog's really thinking. Yeah. And Um, if the dog does run away on an e-call, or sorry, if the dog runs away without a line on, the dog knows that there's no consequence. Like there's nothing attached. So even when you have an e-collar on, you should do a lot of training, preferably with someone who knows what they're doing Mm -hmm. before you take the dog off leash with an e-collar because you might even scare it away with the e-collar. So be really, really careful. You should only take the the leash off once you think that the leash is completely dumb. Like once you're outside and you have your dog on a long line and you're like, why the hell do I even have this thing in my hand? That's the moment you should take the leash off. Um, I would say you need a minimum of three sessions of at least half an hour of being outside with your dog and not ever touching the leash exactly and some people they they skip to the off leash face so quickly Mm -hmm. like with broly i tell everyone uh, he was on a long line and he was being e-collar trained for basically a month straight and Mm -hmm. um he was already amazing off leash i could call him off anything he was already super focused on me but if i'm gonna take all these careful steps outside and make sure he's really really sharp before i fully let him let him off leash in a high distraction area everyone else should too Right. I, like, I don't know why everyone exactly. else jumps to the off leash phase in five minutes. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And one of the things that people get this false sense of security with is when they have puppies and the puppies following them everywhere. Exactly. So they're, everyone always starts with like, oh, she just follows me all the time. Or she used to just follow me all the time as a baby. Um, that you're missing the fundamental steps of like kind of growth of, uh, or maturity of a puppy. Um, usually dogs start with what's called the follow stage and then they grow into an explore stage. So the first few weeks of their life, they're, they're clinging to you and following you everywhere because they don't know anything else. Um, and then that's when people are like, oh, this dog's not going anywhere. They unclip the leash. And then two weeks later, the dog's in the explore stage and runs off. Yeah. Ex- and that happens like we hear that every single day. Exactly. The dog was so good. Follow me around. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so it always yeah. happens. All right. We done with that one? Anything That's else add there? Cool. So next question. Best way to keep my dog from pulling on leash? And yes, she wears a harness. Stop, <laughs> best, stop using the harness. Yeah, stop using the harness. That's, I only put a harness on my dogs when we're doing actual protection work, bite mm-hmm. work, or when I want them to pull. pull. Yeah. So a harness is, is it's not good at communicating with the dog because it's pushing in on the sternum. Most mm-hmm. harnesses also come padded. So the dog gets literally no feedback from the leash and collar when it's pushing in on a harness. 
So that is number one. It's not working for you. Mm-hmm. Switch to a training caller, find a trainer. The dog is very likely also not focused on you and focused on everything else on the walk. So you have a lot of things working against you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Anything else? Um, yeah, you can try like some kind of collar that's not going to make it as comfortable. Definitely see a trainer. That's your number one step. See a trainer. Who can recommend the best tools for you. Um, yeah, the whole big problem is that your dog is not focused on you. If they're pulling away from you, they're not focused on you. Yeah, so, and usually for for leash pulling, like the easiest solution for someone is definitely to use a prong and an e-collar mm-hmm. uh, and put the combo together and figure out how to yeah. teach the dog proper leash pressure. But again, we don't know the dog. You're going to have to see a trainer. Exactly. Exactly. If it's a Shiba or something, just just see a trainer first. <laughs> don't, don't try the prong. Don't, don't try, try the prong. Don't try a prong on a Shiba. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question. How to teach an adult dog to stop play biting? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> that's bad. Uh, if, if an adult dog is play biting towards you, you have probably wrestled the dog a lot. Mm-hmm. That's very, very likely. Or yeah. the dog probably just never learned not to bite. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people this, when you, when you have a puppy, Sorry, did you yeah, sneeze? <laughs> Sorry, the world's quietest sneeze, definitely. <laughs> I tried to hide it from the microphone. Um, yeah, when you have a puppy, and if the puppy grows up with its biological mom, and if the puppy bites the biological mom, like, like dog moms are pissy. They'll just mm-hmm. literally grab the dog. They'll probably bite the puppy. Or they'll, they'll pick up the puppy and throw it. Another quiet sneeze. From <laughs> <us>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so if the puppy's mom is willing to do that why are we letting it go on longer than eight weeks if the dog is doing Mm -hmm. that as an adult it's really bad for the dog to bite humans so two things you need to do correct the biting with a with a trainer training collar e-collar whatever it is make sure you do it properly the other thing Mm -hmm. is if you are ever playing with the dog it should be with a bridge what i mean by a bridge is there should be something between you and the dog ideally a tug toy or a ball Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and that's one thing a lot of people miss is some kind of like dogs love to bite Exactly. Dogs like to bite things. So, like, teach your dog to have some kind of outlet to, to grasp their teeth and jaws onto. Yeah, like that outlet needs to be fulfilled. Exactly. Cool. Anything else to add there? I think that's good. No, that's good. Now you did a good job while I was sneezing. <laughs> uh, next question. Is it possible to make my dog not be territorial with another dog in the house? Not uh, oh, um, it is possible depending on the dog yeah. and depending on the structure level you're willing to give the dog. Um, it's pretty much impossible if your dog walks all over you and you have the dog off leash off e-collar and then you have a bunch of resources lying around the house when a stranger dog comes over that's asking for trouble um so main things that you have to do is management of the dog making sure the dog has some kind of direction of what to do otherwise it's going to think this is what i'm supposed to be doing yep and easiest easiest way is to just eliminate all resources yeah so even with like my own three dogs if i have all three of my dogs out i don't have toys lying out exactly even like beds and stuff i make sure there are enough beds so that they're not all trying to go on the same one um just definitely don't have resources out yeah it's very similar to if you have siblings and you grow up and there's one tv you 100 percent fight over the remote exactly always happens exactly so as long as each dog gets their specified time, you don't want dogs around each other frustrated over items. Exactly. That's bad. You don't want items everywhere that dogs can fight over. Mm-hmm. And also you need proper structure, right? You want, you want to make sure the dog knows that I need to listen to human no matter mm-hmm. what happens. Um, I don't interact with this dog if this dog has this thing. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, like food and all that stuff should not be involved in a multi-dog Never. household for them to fight over. And toys, if it's high value, if the dog loves each other, they'll hang out with each other and they might 
chew on toys. But if there's any territorial behavior there or mm -hmm. possessive behavior, they shouldn't really be around each other with those things. It's yeah. just stupid. It's not yeah. worth it. Uh, exactly. Instagram videos look nice when your dogs are cute, but they don't look nice when one of them's at the vet. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, food is probably one of the biggest food ones. Is, yeah, uh, no -no. Probably bones are also number two. But yeah, like, even... the amount of people we've met this year with multiple dogs in a house and multiple high value like raw meat bones mm -hmm. hanging around the house it's insane it's terrifying it's, <laughs> it's insane. terrifying like i have three dogs they all get along fine my would, dogs have never once even seen each other eat they're fed bone. in not or even the, a bone like their actual food like exactly they're fed in different rooms yeah and like i know my dogs would probably eat out of the same bowl if i let them but why would i be that stupid why That's do i need ridiculous. to do that like i don't need to do that Oh, I know Ashton will fight somebody, though. <laughs> Ashton would <laughs> definitely fight If I fed my two guys together, I know they'd be fine. Because mm -hmm. uh, I've had them both eat out of my hand once, just mm -hmm. because Scooter was eating, and then Broly shoved his face in there because he's a dumbass. Yeah. That's what I, that just happened, and I know mm -hmm. they're fine. But I would not ever push that envelope. Mm -hmm. The thing is also, you're a trainer, and you're you're managing the resource. The dog exactly. doesn't actually have possession over it. So if you have if you have food and toys lying out that's very different than you offering a piece of food exactly right like i don't know about you i think you do too but when you're on a hike i bring like treats and stuff for my hikers yeah i love to reward that especially if they're recalling to me and all that kind of stuff um especially since their food motivation is way higher than their ball just for like my personal hiking dogs yep um but yeah i love to give them food rewards and stuff but it's very different when it's coming from you and going directly to one dog yeah versus lying out on the floor and it's a free-for-all and that's important too, because there are little, small little things you need to be careful with. If mm -hmm. I ever dropped a piece of food on the ground while there was six dogs in front of me or eight dogs in front of me, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would require them You'd all to down. Them all. I don't yeah. want them lunging towards the food because that's eight dogs over one piece of, I don't know, a hot dog. Mm -hmm. That's a fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter even, how much they love each other. Yeah, even if they're like all on one smell. Exactly. If you notice like six dogs go to one smell, it's like immediate out. Yeah, immediate get everybody out. get out or you're getting corrected. It's that's it. Exactly. It's that simple. Cool. Anything else to add to that? That sounded nope. pretty good. Um, thoughts on bark collars. Are there times you recommend or brands you recommend? Yeah, if your dog barks a lot, um, like I personally should put bark collars on my two dogs. <laughs> I should, I don't, but I should. No, they're too sensitive. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to. <laughs> but I should. They bark way too much. It pisses me off. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're good. You should only get, there are a few that we recommend. If your dog is a heavy barker and you can't manage the barking in the house, mm -hmm. which is actually most dogs and most people yeah. with their dogs. If your dog looks out the window and barks all the time, or if you go for work and your dog is maybe quiet for an hour in the crate and starts barking an hour later, get a bark collar. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. But make sure you only get the Garmin one. Yeah. The Sport Dog one's good, and the one by eCollar Te Technologies is also okay. Mm -hmm. But don't get the crap on Amazon for 40 bucks. I'd say Garmin's the best. Yeah, Garmin the Garmin bark limiter is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're really, really good. Obviously, they can't handle other issues. That's where the eCollar is much better. Exactly. Um, eCollar should really make a combo. A bark... You call it? Yeah. They should. I don't know why. I don't they know do. why they don't have Cause Garmin that. Because they're trying to make you buy it too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a ripoff. I'm, <laughs> I'm on to you guys. All right. Anything else to add to that? I think that's uh, it. I think was that the whole question? They're great when you can't press the button on mm. time. When you don't have the perfect timing, the caller is there to do that for you. Yeah, and if you have a doorbell barker, um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I have ever talked about this, but we have, I have a client out in Muskoka, and she has a Yorkie that is... She told me will bite anyone that steps into the house if the bark collar is not on. She doesn't even have an e-collar. She just has a bark collar. So she puts the bark collar on this dog. And the first time I went to their house, the dog walked up to me and looked at me and just walked away. And uh, I was like, oh, he's nice. And she's like, 
are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, he seems so, he seems fine. So it's a little Yorkie. And she said, if that bark collar was off, he would have lunged at you and bit you. So the moral of the story is the dog knows that if they even get slightly aroused, they're probably going to bark mm-hmm. and it's going to make them do something that they're not allowed to do, like bite or something. And the bark collar will eliminate that whole thought process just by being on the dog. So mm-hmm. it is helpful. Yeah, it's great. I, uh, yeah, people just don't get the right ones and they have a bad rap because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bark collars, especially if you're getting the like the stem. So don't get like the citronella. Don't get the little, yeah, don't do there's like a water spritz one or something too, right? Or the sound. Don't use the sound. That's useless. Yep. Get the stem ones. Yeah. Um, how do you apply balanced training principles to puppy training versus treat-based pure positive? So that's pretty funny that you bring up treat-based pure positive. Cause that <laughs> is like 90% of what puppy training is. Yeah. It's like all 95%. It is mostly all food-based. Uh, but there are lots of balanced things that you can do to really yep. help set up your puppy for success. The biggest one is stopping nipping. So yeah. the the pure positive way of stopping a puppy from biting is, is redirection with a toy or a treat or something. Um, what you're kind of doing at that rate is just kind of rewarding the dog and reinforcing biting. So what you're supposed to do is you do want to deliver some kind of correction for the action of teeth on flesh. And then you can offer the dog something to kind of take out their frustration and wanting to bite on instead exactly so don't just do like bite and then toy it's bite correction wait a few seconds toy yeah right so what other balance things uh probably crying in a crate even just crate training itself is balanced because that's using a different yeah quadrant like, than pure positive positive. and people when when puppies are young don't make the dog go on the crate with a treat yeah do that if you're doing crate games if you're going to play crate yeah. games with the dog, use food. But when you're done with the dog, pick the dog up and put it in the <laughs> and just put it in there. That's just, yeah, that's yeah. not, that's very, very important. Yeah, if you're using too much, um, if you're using, solely, sorry, only food, you can never use too much food, but you can use only food, which is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're kind of teaching the dog that certain things are optional. Exactly. Right. Um, if you're raising a puppy properly, it should be pretty mm-hmm. pure positive. I think pure positive just has a bad name because all the pure positive trainers, especially in Toronto, they're just shit. Like, I don't <laughs> even know what to say. It's just like, um, imagine you're just really, really good at something and you're really mm-hmm. good at something in your specific industry. Um, pure positive training, let's even say we can um, just separate it from dog training all in general. Mm-hmm. There is not a good pure positive trainer that is well known in the city. There are some that we know that are, I'd say, okay. They're more sport dog trainers, but everything yeah. they do seems pretty pure positive and they're very, very, very good, but no one knows about them. The pure positive trainers that everyone knows about are the outspoken ones that just suck. So, mm-hmm. um, puppies should be raised almost in a pure positive manner. Yeah. Right? The only things you are correcting are the things that are just ruining your life, like the biting and the crate training. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, there's, there's really no way to completely pure positively train a puppy. Like even having a leash on a dog, you're kind of limiting its options. (laughs) Having a dog in your house, you're limiting its options, right? So it's not like you're just, it's not like you go to a farm and you're like, Oh, I'm going to take this dog home and lure it to your house with treats. No, you pick the dog up and you say, you're coming into my car. You're coming to my house. Exactly. Right. Everything you do with the dog, you can't really be completely pure positive. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So there you do want to create a lot of limitations for the dog. You don't want to just offer it food for everything because look at how like a baby lives, right? Like a human baby, you still go in a crib. You still, I don't know shit about babies. Why did I say babies? <laughs> uh, the best way to look at it is if the dog was raised by its actual biological parents. Exactly, right? exactly. So, or even if it was like a, a lion. 
right? If a lion mm-hmm. grows up, it's it's you know it's not exactly the lion the the uh, the rest of the adults in the pack mm-hmm. are not just or the pride you call it right whatever it's called yeah they're not rewarding the lion for doing all sorts of little things mm-hmm. they're probably being mean to the lion for doing stupid things right so and at the at that same rate the puppy's not really being pure positive to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> if they're if they're biting you they're not being pure positive to you uh-huh, they're saying hey negative. human bite 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 <laughs> play with me so they're they're doing some kind of negative yeah what would that be that'd be uh, positive, positive punishment. punishment on you for not playing with them or exactly. whatever actually you know going back to the the two dog household question mm-hmm. i've it just it goes back to when i posted that story i think that was yesterday with the doberman with the broken mouth because that was they a doberman a, i think it was a doberman oh. uh that those are probably two dogs that have been best friends so even if your dogs mm-hmm. are best 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 friends and even though my dogs look like they're in love with each other they lick each other's faces all day um it's only because i don't let any nonsense come about throughout the day mm-hmm. and i just want to let everyone know if you want to see deadly force come out of your dog put food in the way high value food yeah and bother them that's when mm-hmm. you will see deadly force come out of a dog uh, i've seen i saw this video on instagram of a lion um attacking a younger lion in its pride over a wildebeest mm-hmm. like it killed a wildebeest and then the younger lion wanted to get a piece of the wildebeest and the lion ran up to him and just attacked him on his spine broke his spine and the, and the lion was completely paralyzed yeah this is the same I, it might have even been one of its like siblings or something who knows mm-hmm. but it like basically paralyzed the spine and the lion had to be put down but remember these are these are probably two animals that were best friends until that happened mm-hmm. so like don't risk things and don't do stupid things with your dogs because one dog can can admit deadly force immediately over yeah. food so just be yeah. careful there are always things that they value more than each other Exactly. That's just due to the nature. And they'll of kill each animal. other yeah. over it, and people don't think that can happen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, next question: uh, What is something you wish you could do but can't because you have a dog? I remember this being such a good question last time. Yeah. What'd you say? I can't remember. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not much of a traveler, so I don't think I'd do that. Travel, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I'd do much. I kind of like. I like how life has been with dogs. Mm-hmm. I like hiking with the dogs. I like going out to play ball. I don't know what I do. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. I'd probably sleep more. I think we said I'd you'd probably sleep. sleep. <laughs> I think that was I'd it. I'd sleep forever. Life would not be as funny though. So what else would I do though? I mean, I'd probably have so much more money. Yep, same. I'd spend it. I'd probably go to the casino or something. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not a gambler, but that would be fun. I'd, have, I'd probably have a replacement hobby, which I don't know what it would be. That's true. I don't know what probably it would be. Probably some bow and arrows or something weird. <laughs> <laughs> you probably do axe throwing or something who yeah knows? who knows who knows what is something i wish i could do hmm. i'd probably just pursue a lot i'd probably of go to the gym more oh that's funny <laughs> i don't know but that's probably just an excuse i'm probably now. using that as an excuse yeah. <laughs> oh, i don't man. know well i think i think last time we yeah what would you guys do i think you guys should dm us if you listen yeah. to this. what would you do if uh, yeah, you didn't have a dog do. i mean the thought of it is weird because all i know for the last 11 years is having a dog so I know, like I moved out of my parents' house and I got two more dogs. So exactly. obviously that's all I want to do is just be around dogs. Yeah, so I don't know sure, the answer cute. to that. All right, next question. Uh, my dog gets distracted on a walk and can be reactive. Yeah, those go hand in hand. Yeah. An unfocused dog. You know, I always wanted to post this up online. Uh, teaching your dog a focused heel is very unrealistic, but it's mm-hmm. very, very fun. And it will build mm-hmm. a very good relationship with you and your dog. Yeah. Uh, not important, but... I think everyone should strive to teach somewhat of a focused heel. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, if you want to just fix the problem, just teach your dog to have more engagement with the outside and build some more confidence. And you do need to correct the physical act of reactivity, but you need mm-hmm. to be fair. So long answer short is you do need to see a trainer. 
for reactivity, always see a trainer. Don't try to deal with that on your own. Yeah, engagement is a big thing. Engagement is a hard thing to maintain on a walk, though. Yeah. Um, For, like, just a regular human who wants to go for a walk. That's why the correction really does come into play. Yep. Because we can have, like, we see dogs all the time that we're micromanaging or even not even micromanaging that much. We're just keeping the dog so engaged and fun. Exactly. And it's very hard. Um, the biggest piece is that you're going to have to micromanage the dog. So you'll teach yeah. the dog to walk properly, micromanage every moment of everything, um, and then practice. You know, I think if, obviously, once again, it's a, it's a hard reach, but if everyone even attempted to teach their dog a focus deal, <laughs> this guy's stuck I guarantee <laughs> you, you would have less reactivity. That's, that even is true. if they true. attempted it, the dog would already have so much focus. You might not even get the focus deal. It's hard because mm-hmm. the dog's head has to be up and walk beside you. Even if you attempt it, you will probably have a better dog that's not reactive outside. Yeah, that is contingent on having a food-motivated dog, though. That's true. Or a toy-motivated dog. So That is true. Like, if you have a street dog, if that's what you're describing, and it's not focusing on you, and it's still getting distracted and all that kind of stuff, exposure and micromanaging are the biggest pieces. Exposure, micromanaging, counter-condition as much as you can. Counter-conditioning if the dog is willing to do that in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a lot of work. If you have a very, very reactive dog, it's a lot of work. And don't let your dog bark out the window. That's the biggest part. Bark (laughs) collar for the window. A part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely part of it. Cool. Next question. Uh, getting a new puppy. Not sure my other dog will be okay with it. What should I do? This is like the See, majority of our life. Don't get a dog yet. Don't get a dog yet. If yeah. you're questioning whether your other dog will be okay with it, don't get a dog. Um, talk to a trainer. See see where your dog falls on the spectrum. See what they think of the spectrum. What the spectrum of what? What am I saying? <laughs> what am I saying? The spectrum of like how okay they will be and how adaptable they will be to a new dog coming into the house. Yeah. Make sure you get a trainer to say like, you will be okay. And Um, we've always had a rule. If you're going to get a second dog, make sure your first dog is safe, reliable, and you're happy with your first dog. Mm -hmm. But if you have a mess of a first dog and you get a second dog, you're going to have a zoo in your house. It's literally a, a complete zoo. So it's not a good idea. Make sure that you can really, really structure your house. Yeah. Make sure that you can really, really structure. Um, like, you at minimum need to have a crate for each dog yeah exactly if you have two uncrated dogs and you're not sure that one will be okay at the other you're already setting yourself up for failure yeah. and you're kind of setting up a puppy to be to get really screwed up a piece of shit and the <laughs> thing is like really I, I wish i could relate to a lot of people but mm-hmm. i've never had an aggressive dog bringing in a new dog like mm-hmm. and i want to say it's because I, i've been lucky and i've had good dogs but i think a lot of it does have to do with just raising them properly in the house and i mm-hmm. don't let them become territorial because if you let the dog become territorial mm-hmm. why have i never had this problem and i've had so many dogs um yeah right so it, th- there is something a lot of people are doing wrong they're letting the dog yeah. be a brat too much and run the household and then when you bring in a new puppy you're a hundred percent gonna have problems if you don't fix the first dog yeah, and you have to do slow exposure too exactly. with the with the dogs. Don't just throw them together and be like, "Hey, I wonder if they're gonna be best friends." Yeah. So a good example is Wolfie again yeah. um, with Ash. Before I brought Ashton home, I at least had the luxury of having them both here. Yeah. Before I brought Ashton into my house, so I could have. And even though Wolfie's nervous, you have full control. I have full control. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah, what that's everyone should have. And so what I did is I just had them for a couple weeks here just on on place a couple of meters away from each other just so they could assess each other without the threat of one approaching the other which yeah. sounds like it sounds like a huge exaggeration to say like oh a beagle puppy's a threat to like a dog that's already fairly social but like but it kind of is if you're looking yeah. at it from a dog perspective and you're just being safe it's better safe than sorry exactly the best advice we can give people on this topic is separation until mm-hmm. the dog that is less likely to want to play shows interest exactly separation and patience 
Make sure they're near each other as much as you can, but don't let them interact until mm-hmm. the one that is less likely to play. I guarantee your puppy is going to want to play. So yeah. don't even worry about that. But you want to make sure your older dog, the dog that you already have, is actually looking to interact with the dog. Now you're getting somewhere because mm-hmm. they're now they're both interested. Don't do anything until they're both interested. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're questioning that your dog might like if your dog has dog issues and you're questioning if the dog's gonna be okay just don't get another dog yes just don't do that (laughs) that's the best advice just don't get another dog yeah unfortunately i agree i want another dog but it's not the smartest thing for me right now oh my god i want two more dogs yeah i want like six (laughs) (laughs) i want a beagle oh jeez here we go i want another i do want another mal though if i get another mal um i'm gonna name him dr doom now everyone's gonna roast me after this I know. podcast. Okay, let's I just know. move to the next. I can't game. give I can't give away my mal name because <laughs> I swear someone's gonna steal it and I'm gonna have to go over and whoever steals it, I'm gonna kill them. <laughs> I'm literally just gonna kill you because I've been sitting on this name for like a year and I haven't had the dog to name it yet. But I can't tell you guys the name. Just just keep your eyes out. If you see a mal puppy on my thing, then that's what happened. But <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll know what the name is. But it's the perfect name. All right, next question. Um, hesitant to let my dog play with other dogs because he gets yes. overexcited and rough. Okay. Um, if There are a couple things. Your dog might not be socialized enough, so your dog mm-hmm. just gets way too overexcited. Your dog also might be over-socialized. So you yep. should definitely get some obedience on that dog first. The other thing that will help your dog is find dogs with similar excitement levels and similar energy that are respectful. So mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of little things that we need to know. Just overexcited is, is not enough information. Yeah, that's very tough. Yeah. The best thing to do is make sure you find a kind of an equal playmate. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's dog socialization is a skill set that has many levels to it. Mm-hmm. So we need to see the dog. Yeah, dogs dogs usually do best with something that matches their yeah. energy and temperament type unless they're aggressive that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's gonna be a fight but and out of my hiking group like the only dogs that play together are the very intense ones play together mm-hmm. and the soft ones play together but the soft ones yeah. don't want to play with the intense ones because it's like the most energy and the most power the soft one can provide is like an average easygoing energy for the big dogs so why would i let them do that it's just uncomfortable for everybody yeah. no one has fun so it's just it's hard to say though because if like in my hiking group apollo and hendrix are best friends Oh, yeah. Which is very weird because but Hendrix is getting beat up. Doesn't no, Hendrix. Oh. <laughs> someone jumps on him. He's like, get away from me. Oh, <laughs> but he loves Apollo. Um, oh wow! And Apollo's just a psycho. Oh, he's crazy. So I don't know. It just depends. Yeah, it depends they just on the have dog. different friends. Like it's yeah. it's as a trainer, you just see it and you know who's gonna get along well. Um, just like Ashton. Ashton's really good at opening up puppies that are really really nervous or opening up dogs that are super super nervous but he can also really get going with those really excited high crazy rough playing dogs yeah so i'd say the best fit for a dog like this is you do need a yeah a well socialized dog is able to adapt to almost Mm -hmm. any dog's behavior so you do need to find one of those and they're hard to find like no one has those dogs (laughs) yeah and if your dog does like to play rough don't force it to kind of like tone down its play style just find it only friends that it's going to get along with exactly yeah. and the, the top the key on top of all that is you need to be able to recall the dog out of play yep if you can't do that don't even let the dog play because you mm-hmm. lose control you're basically letting your dog play as an excuse for not having control right so so make sure you don't do that yeah yeah play should never be your um your go-to way to exercise your dog or to get them exhausted it should be 
uh, it should just be, play with other dogs should only be a supplementation to get them a little bit more socialized or to bring in a little bit of socialization into their life. Exactly. But it should never be your main source of exercise for a dog. Exactly. It should be centered around you and then, okay, here's one of your own species to go play with. Yep. Right? That, yeah, that's how it should be. But mm-hmm. a lot of, lot of little steps involved. So yep. you need to see a trainer for that too. These are a lot of trainer questions, but we like them. <laughs> yeah. We'll answer them as complex and as best as we can. But mm-hmm. some of them, you do need to see someone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's everything. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Uh, we'll put up another Q&A request uh, probably in a few days yeah. and let us know. We enjoy all your questions. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you. Thank Bye. Thank you. Bye.